Hello, I'm Steve Darby, ex-coach of Thailand, and you're listening to the new Thai Football Podcast. Welcome along to episode 12 of a Thai football podcast with me, Dale Farrington. And me, Rob Bernard. How's your week been, Rob? Tremendous. Back up here in uh, countryside, see Saket, surrounded by lots of farmland and animals and lovely clean living, Dale. Lovely clean living. Must be nice to get back up there after being in the city for so long. Yeah, ever so. Ever so. Plenty plenty of work for the wife to do in the garden. And plenty of football for you to watch. Yeah, I'm aiming at a game a week. Not getting greedy. A game a week up here is perfect. Sounds ideal. Anyway, we've got a lot coming up in today's podcast. We've got Kevin's report from the King's Cup. We've got a match report from yourself, Rob. And then you did an interview with Marco. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that was good. From one end of the country to the other, him down in Phuket. And he's, he's a well-travelled man. And the interview tells us all about his adventures. And it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's a really fascinating listen. That's coming up later. And then to finish... We've got Rob again reviewing Matt Riley's book, Thai Football Tales of Beautiful Madness. Yeah, sorry about this, listeners. Uh, those of you who get a bit bored of a northern accent. It's, it's either one or the other. Depends which side of the yeah. Pennines they prefer, doesn't it, really? Right, so we better crack on. So, hot off the press, this is Kevin, who's contributed a couple of times before. And he was at last night's King's Cup third and fourth playoff match and the final between Thailand and Iraq. And he sent us this short report. Ties to match reports. This is my halftime analysis. You can hear the atmosphere around me. Thailand playing phenomenal football. Very unlucky to concede the first goal, but a really, really good equaliser by the number 12. Amazing, amazing ball being played here. Did not expect Thailand to be so dominant. Okay, I just got some time to compose myself. Still the halftime, but let me tell you, Mano is playing one of the best football I've seen the Thai national team play. And coincidentally, this is my first live game for the Thai national team as well. Well worth it. The rain is piss pouring down. Everyone around me is wet, but the atmosphere is electric and the game is delivering. So let's see what the second half brings. I hope Thailand gets a decent result today, come out with a win. And yeah, let's see. It's at full time, 2-2. Really, really good game of football right now. The game goes to the penalties. Let's see what happens. Absolutely got it right now. Thailand losing on penalties. Absolutely got it. But there's so much to be positive about the Thai national team. And I hope they don't sack Mano because we need Mano ball. Thailand needs Mano ball. I don't know if you saw the game, Rob, but it was it was very entertaining. But they, they were lucky to play it, weren't they, given the conditions? Yeah, it's a good job there were a couple of Premier League teams uh, knocking about. Or even a Premier League team and a Championship team, Rob. Oh, I forgot they went down. Sorry, Leicester fans, I wasn't trolling. I, I nearly made that mistake on Twitter as well. I, I put a little uh, comment, very similar comment up there last night about if it had been Spurs and Leicester, they probably wouldn't have bothered. But all, all credit to the, the ground staff. 
And all credit to the two football associations for getting that game on and providing some fantastic entertainment. Yeah, I thought it was a great spectacle. You know, you wouldn't have thought that it was a friendly tournament, the way the two sides went about it. And the emotions at the end showed that it meant so much. Sometimes we we tend to forget that. I mean, I've been to these competitions before and there is a lot of passion there. And fans do want to win it and players do want to win it. And, you know, whatever your thoughts are on pausing the season to hold these tournaments... I think it was justified. We we certainly got our money's worth and all credit to the players. Not easy conditions to play in, but it was a fantastic game and congratulations to Iraq. Yeah, very much so. I mean, let's be fair here. Thailand were playing a team 43 places above them in the rankings and they were the better side for large chunks of the game. I thought they were outstanding last night. Some of the football, really good to watch. Totally agree with that. And they were clearly playing for the coach as well, weren't they? Yeah, very much so. And that seems to have been resolved, at least for the time being. So Mano's staying, which I think I think it's fair to say 99% of Thai fans and pundits and, and probably players as well are quite pleased with. I'm not surprised. You could see that they wanted it. And the, and the guy's full of emotion. He cares. It might just be a tug-of-war between Madame Pang and Mr. Uh, Nguyen to see what happens. I think there's there's probably lots going on, isn't there, that we're not party to. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, indeed. Anyway, we've got another match report now, and this is you, Rob, on your travel. So do you want to introduce it? Yeah, on uh, Saturday I went into into the city in Sisaket where Rice Isolai are playing at the moment. They've got a stadium of their own in their own town. So they're using the big SAT stadium. And they were up against Udon United in the League Cup second qualifying round Did you manage to get away from the drummers this week? There, there was very few drummers there was one on the far side his singing was not very good he had the megaphone and the drum Is Phil Collins? Yes I had a similar uh, opinion of him by full time Singing drummer yeah anyway we'll draw yeah. a veil over that so this this is Rob with his, his match report Ties to the Match reports Yes, thanks, Dale. The final whistle's just been blown here at the SAT Provincial Stadium, where visitors Udon United have progressed to the next round of the League Cup with a 2-1 win in a touchy game against us, Raisi Salai, in an encounter that could be called the Sales Show. João Paulo Sales de Souza, to give the Brazilian his full name, was at the thick of most things important. At least that was so once compatriot Abner saw a shot ricochet in the direction of Niwat, who headed on to put the team who had travelled by bus get for getting on for six hours ahead in this regional cup tie. Within a minute, the host lad levelled up when Wichit scored an early goal of the season contender with a half volley from the angle of penalty area that flew into the far top corner. But by now, our man Sales was having an enormous influence putting himself about and being a general nuisance to opponents and officials alike. His complaining, aided by the other two Samba stars in the Udon lineup, was of an impressive quality. Incessant would certainly be one description. He eventually got himself a yellow card for a ridiculous late lunge and then avoided a second one, which only the imagination of the referee could explain. However, he rolled around, his teammates were going spare pointing at opponent Jacopan, who was also prostrate on the turf. Referee Mr Palacon tried to unravel the mess and then showed a straight red to the Ricey Salai defender, causing the club's woman owner to go rushing out of the stand to see what was going on. I'm not sure 
sure why, but the referee was convinced to speak to the fourth official, who could well have been rewinding his Facebook page to look at the live feed, before the red was downgraded to a yellow to cue more mourning from the away side. Another week of officials making it up as they went along. Udon were turned down what would make a good shout for a penalty before Charles Seder was superbly saved by Bannam in the home net. After the break, the host looked good, but quickly ran out of ideas. In the end, it was a low cross that was missed at the near post and fell to Salas to tap home into an empty net with 10 minutes remaining to decide the tie. Udon progress to the draw for the next round. That was much better. Sounded far more today, like a, like a county cricket match, that, Rob. It was apart from the carry on with the sending off, but hey, never be, never assume me. Uh, Did you enjoy it? It was all right. It was okay. It was it was no game that will last in the memory for too long. But as ever, it's always worth venturing out and going to a game and meeting people. It is, and these lower league games are now getting lots of coverage on Twitter, aren't they? Sven has got a new account where he, he covers the lower leagues. And he's been focusing on the League Cup as well. So we'll put that link in the notes as well. So if you're not already following Sven's account, we'll put a link to it in the notes to this show and you can get on board and check out all the lower league stuff that's happening in your area. It's well worth going along. It's certainly better than staying at home. Just get out there and see for yourselves. That's that's very much the theme of this show, isn't it? I have to say thanks ever so much to everyone on Twitter and Facebook with the helpful comments and the way people are helping each other. It's lovely everyone you know getting together it's it's turning into a proper community and people sharing information passing on tips and being being really helpful and supportive yeah i'm, I'm all for it rob and it's it's great to be a part of that isn't it yeah yeah anytime we can help send us an inquiry i mean we, we, we don't know everything by any means yeah speak for yourself rob <laughs> No, I'm only joking. Rob's absolutely right. But there usually is someone out there, isn't there, who who can help and offer advice and assistance. Hi, my name is Anthony and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. This next item, I'm really looking forward to this. This was Rob again, because one of Rob's passions is getting out, visiting different grounds, seeing different teams. And that ties in nicely with Marco. And this is the chat that he and Rob had. A Thai football podcast. Interview. Here on the podcast, it's always great to welcome new guests, and an avid listener has come along to tell us about an incredible feat. Welcome, Marco. Would you like to tell us what you've been up to? Thanks, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Always listen to the podcast every week, so it's great to be to be on. Um, yeah, so I went to a hundred games in less than three hundred and sixty-five days. It wasn't something that I, I planned to do. It just it just kind of happened, really, because uh, obviously during the pandemic, I wasn't going to any games. And then I kind of thought once, once kind of safe to travel, that just try and get to as, as many games as possible. And I, w- I was based in Bangkok for about sort of five, six months. And, and I was using that as my base and, and sort of go into all, all the games there, like T3, T2, T1, and a few semi-pro league games. And it got to, I think it was 50 games in, and it was almost six months to the day since the first game. So that, that's when I started to think, is it possible to go to 100 in less than a year? And then I got to about 75 and it was... I think it was like nine months in and then only then really did it become a proper thing and it was like yeah I think I can do this No that's tremendous because you had quite a bit of a gap didn't you during it Well yeah I made I made one fatal error I went to Cambodia for a month and I turned up there four days after the season finished so uh, for someone who's trying to go to as many football 
four matches as possible. That that probably wasn't a great idea. And then also, I was I'd been in Malaysia for a while. I went to watch a few games there, and I had two choices. It was either go to Vietnam, where the V League was in full flow, and, and taking a few games there, or come back to Thailand and catch the end of the season. And I chose the latter option. And I only saw I think I was in in Thailand two months and saw four games. I saw Port against Chambri, uh, Lampoon against Port, and I saw a couple of games. I think it was the uh, under seventeen AFF Championship. So I think so. There was there was one spell of thirty six days where I didn't see a game, and another of about twenty nine days. So yeah, so there's there, there's basically two two months out, out of the equation, really. Yeah, you're more than made up with it. A couple of double games in a day, I noticed. Yeah, there, there was quite a few of those. Yeah, I think that's the thing when you, when you're looking at the fixtures, which I, t- I tended to do sort of midweek. You'd always look for like North Bangkok University and, and BG because that's that's pretty close together. And obviously you've got to get the timings right. So there was there was one week where I think I think it was North Bangkok. They, it was a three o'clock kickoff, I think, and BG were playing at six. I think it was so it was perfect. So you'd leave one game, walk you know walk walk along the road and go to the other game. So yeah, that 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 was always a good thing. But I, I will say it, it did seem to be that the fixture list always seemed to conspire against me. It was very few occasions where it all came together. Like, like that but yeah you, you, I just had to try and take those opportunities I mean there was, there was one in, in, in Vietnam where I went to watch a team called Binzong who played just outside Ho Chi Minh City it's kind of like a, it's, it's a bit like say the distance from like Port to Bangkok United something like that maybe a bit less but um, so they played I think it was a five o'clock kickoff and then Ho Chi Minh City were playing at seven so I left one game just jumped on a motorbike taxi and just told them to go as fast as possible Race, race through the city, and we, and we got there. I think, I think I missed the first half an hour, but yeah, that that was probably the most ambitious uh, double header, and it, it, luckily it worked. I was fortunate to be at a double header with you uh, one Wednesday in the FA Cup last season. We did Bangsa Tonga were playing at Summit Prakan City, where I had fun at the weekend, and then we got to we got to Port with Jim from uh, the Samba Pit, still in time for a beer before we went in. That was one of the rare occasions that I took a taxi to to, to a match. We didn't have any any other option, did we? Really? So I, I, I'm very, very much like you. I try, I try and travel by public transport if possible, or you know, you know motorbike, taxi, maybe. But um, yeah, very, very few taxi journeys involved. But that, that was, that was one that was uh, strictly necessary, wasn't it? Yeah, it's good to save the money. It is exactly because there, there was, there was a game. I think it was last, last weekend. I was in Penang in Malaysia, and there was a stadium in the centre of the city it's called Bandaraya Stadium. That's where Penang FC like and it's a newish stadium. It's on the mainland, but it's, it's really difficult to get to by public transport. And the, the, there was a game there. I think it was last Saturday, but because it was raining, the, the price of the taxis, you know, like grab prices just shoots through the roof, and it's like fifteen quid to get there. So I was like, no, nah, no chance. No, no, no. I mean, there are levels we go to, but uh, rational common sense does sometimes play into the equation as well. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Twitter page, Marco, has some amazing uh, images on it, and we will be putting the link for people to have a look. When you arrive at a ground, you sometimes get that wow factor. Was there anywhere for you on this trip? Yeah, definitely. There's one one that sticks in my mind in, in Vietnam. And apologies for veering away from Thai football, but um, yeah, there's a, a team called Bin Din. Well, I think it was actually pronounced Bin Zin, but I say Bin Din. Uh, and they play in a coastal town called Queen Yon. They've got a ground. Again, anyone who follows, follows me on Twitter will, will have seen it. There's a, it's like a, I think it's a 300-year-old pagoda, which is right next to the ground. And I actually actually watched some a part of a game from, from the top of it. The view was absolutely fantastic. You've got the mountains in the background, you've got the beach to, to one side and the sea. And yeah, that, that was absolutely fantastic. You don't think I'll ever, ever watch a game from a, such a good vantage point. No, that sold it for me somewhere I'd like to venture. I think that's the, that's the thing. Obviously, we're a Thai football podcast, but... 
you know, having having been to like Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam, I would definitely recommend anybody because obviously a lot of expats listen to this, and you know, you may you may go for, to Hanoi for the weekend or somewhere like that, or Kuala Lumpur. I would definitely definitely recommend to take the opportunity to watch a game any anywhere you go because it's really brilliant experience. And every every league and every every place seems to have their own little quirks, and you know, there'll be things that, that, that run differently to, to to Thai football. So it's, it's great to, to just experience different different uh, different ways of football, and different ways of going to the match. As a Port fan, you obviously love the PAT. Which other Thai venues do you enjoy the vibe inside and outside the stadium of? I think I think uh, one that I went to this time that I hadn't been for a while was was, was Bangkok Glasses Ground. I think it's, it's a great place to watch football. Obviously, there's no, no running track, so you're right on top of the pitch. The one thing that did catch me out there was the cashless thing. I couldn't I couldn't get a beer because I didn't I didn't have the you had to download some app or something like that. And also buying a ticket was I didn't realise you had to you had to, you had to be a member. Is that, is that right? If they, if they, I had to join. I did. I didn't realise. So I, I I got luckily I got there about twenty minutes before the game, and I just about had enough time to register, buy the ticket, and show the QR code. So that that kind of caught me out. But it is a good place to watch football. I must admit. But it, it, I don't know about you, but for me, it's not just the ground itself. It's it's everything about it. It's linked to it, like the journey there. So if you live in Rangsit, perfect. But, but where, where I, I tech generally stay, quite near the Ports Ground, Rama Rama Four. So from there, it's such a long such a long journey by public transport, isn't it? So to me, that that's kind of tied into to, to the sort of your, your feelings towards the ground. If you know what I mean. I do indeed. I mean, at least there's one thing about it is that there's a good bus that air conditioning from from yeah. town that will take you and drop you virtually outside the main. Right. Yeah, 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 you just cross over the, the bridge. Um, I, I, I tended to do this. I could do like two buses. So get off at, is it Zia Rangsit, is it called? Zia, or something like that, Zia Rangsit, and then, that, and then I, get another one. Yeah, I, I made the fatal error of, after the game, I sometimes get a song towed back to uh, mm. buy uh, future Rangsit and then get a yeah. bus home. And I decided to do it the reverse way on the way to the ground one time for the uh, song towed to take me completely in the wrong direction. You've got to have a bit of a zen-like attitude when you travel on public transport to games because like sometimes you, do, you don't know how long you've got to wait for a connection sometimes, like you say sometimes they just start going completely the wrong direction so I think you just have to kind of stay as you know as zen like as possible try and laugh it off if it goes wrong it's no disaster for 10 bar is it exactly yeah and connected with that the whole atmosphere from the other countries you visited do you think there's anything that the Thai clubs could learn from them put it this way I, I didn't see any tickets that were more expensive for away fans I've actually know one game it was one game in Malaysia where Perak fans were paying 25 ringgits and Kuala Lumpur City fans were paying 20 ringgits it was just 5 ringgit difference which is like what I think is £1 um, so yeah you, there's no, no ripping off of away fans that's one thing in Vietnam and Malaysia can, the atmosphere feels a bit more raw than it than it does in, in Thailand I think I don't, I don't know it's, it's some Thai, Thai games where because everyone's sort of sat down, sort of sat on their hands a little bit. Sometimes it feels a bit, a little bit sterile sometimes, but not not always. But I feel like in, in, in Malaysia and Vietnam, it's a, bit, it's a bit more sort of raw passion there. Yeah, I get that. I mean, if I hear one more derivation of Heaven on Earth by Belinda Carlisle, I'll scream. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm growing up 70s and 80s, I'm down to where somebody's going to get their heads kicked in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't mean that seriously, obviously, but you guys of a certain area will know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Who were the friendliest fans you came across? That's a very coveted title because there's so many. I mean, let, let's put it this way: I, I didn't didn't encounter any animosity or any anything like that anywhere I went. You know, every every everyone that I met was was friendly and helpful. Um, so that that is very very difficult question to answer because, like, like I said, pretty everyone there's there's no sets of fans who are. 
I mean, and some some game like in Thailand in, in the top flight, you, you get a lot more foreign fans, don't you? So I think you kind of you can go to games in Thailand a bit more unnoticed, let's let's say. Whereas in in, in say Malaysia or Vietnam, people are quite surprised to see you there. And certainly in Malaysia, most people who spoke to me initially assumed that I was there in some sort of professional capacity, like I was a scout or a coach or a player or um, an agent. That's what a lot of people thought I was an agent or something like that. But so we, they, were, they were quite surprised to, to see that I was there actually as, as just. As, as a supporter so that, that that was one thing that I would say so same in Vietnam actually a lot of people are like, did, did you play for Quang and UTLA I said no no it's just, just coming to watch yeah I can relate to that you know, you, as you know I go to a lot of games that could be described as in the deepest depths mm-hmm. and uh, the Farang's turned up how he's found out about it and what he's doing there watching and not being uh, there in an official capacity <laughs> and I know on last Sunday I came across the Tombury fans I know you you had a good time with them as well although I will say they were friendly to me but they did have a bit of a they kind of rubbed the opposition fans up the wrong way a couple of times one, one game against Bangkok FC uh, where yeah there's almost almost a bit of a scrap at one point and, and they did it in another game as well I think it might have been um, Prime Bangkok it was Prime Bangkok and uh, yeah there was a little bit of friction between the fans Not nothing happened in the end but yeah they, they were certainly friendly towards me but I think they definitely rub up the uh, opposition fans a little bit I can only imagine with them the biggest disaster would be if the beer ran out oh yeah <laughs> oh they love a beer they love a beer I mean I, that, that Bangkok FC game I, I bought my ticket, went to the entrance. I had a bot- half bottle of water. No, can't bring it in. I was like, okay, fair enough. Went into the ground. They've got like three cool bottles full of beers. That's the way to do it. I, I can't get in with the water. They, they get in with the cool bottles. When you travel to these other places, did you find that beers were really allowed inside the stadiums? Vietnam, yeah, definitely. You can you can buy like, like drinking cans of beer inside the stadium. It wasn't you know like it wasn't like they were pouring them into plastic cups or anything. Literally a can of beer. Um, obviously Malaysia for for obvious reasons, no no beer there. But yeah, Vietnam certainly. Yeah, you can you can get get beers there absolutely. Did you come across any programs? I know one or two collects. I've only seen them at Wang Tong years. Didn't see any. That's a good point. I, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, actually no. One one game, one Kedar match. It was Kedar against against uh, Perak, I think it was. They were selling them in, in the club shop. I did, I didn't, I didn't buy one, but yeah, that was that was that was probably the only one that I saw. Obviously, you mix your football with your culture. Which which was the best food that you've had outside the ground? Best food. I, well, I really like in in Vietnam. You know the the bar meat, the kind of like like a baguette with. Uh, Different like different toppings, yeah, like pork or whatever. The, the chili sauce in there. I think that that's for me. That's a, a good football snack because you it's not that messy to eat, and you, you can take it in the ground with you, and it's really cheap as well. And plus, it's quite filling as well. So I would I would say the bar meat and the best one I had. I think it was outside Da Nang Stadium. It was like grilled pork and uh, chili sauce on it, and they kind of put it back into this, this like the oven for a few minutes. So, so the bread's like really like basically really hot and fresh. So yeah, that's I would say that the bar meat in in Vietnam. No, that sounds quality to me. You got me hungry. Speaking of the barmies, I, I was told that's how people get fireworks and stuff in. So they basically get 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 a baguette, take all the, all the bread out of the middle, and stick the, stick the fireworks inside. So that's how, that's how they sneak contraband into the stadiums. There, I like that. I've I've seen it at Lords at the cricket where people have emptied a, a tube of Pringles and left a couple on the top and stuck a couple of cans of alcohol inside those to get around the rules. Might might, might have to try that one at Pat Stadiums. But Mrs. Pang listens to this. So oh yeah, oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, didn't say I didn't say that. Obviously. Now, with the 100, is there a game that stands out? 
about? Well, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. I was going back through, through the list that I can make a good case for the first game being the best one. And that was the one that I met you at. The, uh, I think it was Chamchuri United 2, Bangkok FC 4. And if you can remember back that far, it was a really good match, wasn't it? Real ding-dong battle that was. And also, in that in that game, I could make a very good argument for Bangkok FC's third goal being the best goal that I saw. If you, if you remember it, the, I think it was the, the, the right-back, he had the ball well inside his own half. And he absolutely smashed it. And it went, it went in, didn't it? So I can make an argument for the, the best goal and the best game in the first game. Fancy that, eh? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's the way it goes, isn't it? I, I think the most goals was six, which is obviously quite a few. But I didn't see any, like, seven nils or eight nils and nothing like that I did. and I only saw one team score five goals that was that was in a Vietnam uh, second division game so so that was the only, only time I saw five or more goals I didn't actually see like you know like there was a game the other week it was like Salangor 11 Kalantan 2 or something like that so I didn't see I didn't see any really high scoring games but um, <laughs> I, I, I only saw four four nil nil draws and they all came within the space of about 10 games so I'm currently on a run I think it's 46 games without seeing a nil nil so I certainly can't complain on that on that front. So I've, I've, I've definitely had my fair share of, of goals, and yeah, so, so four nil nils, yeah, and even even then, the three of the games were quite good games. There was only one that was an absolute dog of a game. That was uh, North Bangkok against Kazimbundit. That was just a dreadful match, absolutely dreadful. Well, do you know what? I saw the reverse fixture, and it was the same. And I went up nil to nil. North Bangkok twice last season. And I saw nil nils there. It must be them. It is. Well, funnily enough, my mate, um, I met while whilst I was, I was ground hopping. He's been, he's been to see North Bangkok a couple of times, and both those games were nil nil as well. So none of us have seen, have seen a goal in any of the games they've played. They will play on a crazy golf course. True, true. Uh, now then, anyone who's um, considering carrying out such an incredible fate, have you any advice for them? T- to be honest, like like I said, it's not something that I planned to do, and I did it fairly easily. I think if you were planning on doing it from the start, if you were to say, say right, I'm going to do it as of this Saturday, I don't think it's that difficult to do. You just need the time, the inclination, and a bit of money in your pocket. And also you need to be quite well organised because... Yeah, going around from place to place and working out which fixtures to go to. That's probably the most most important thing. But I honestly don't think it's not that difficult to do if you if you set your mind to it. Because like like for example, like like I said, I was in Cambodia for 30 days, didn't see a game. I was I had another 30 days where I didn't see a game. Like if like I could have gone to the thinking back now, if I'd gone to the Southeast Asia games in Cambodia, like there just would have been two games a day for about three weeks. So that, that you know, you could have ticked off so many games there. You have the AFF under 17 championship. That was, I think there were games in Chambury and Bangkok. And again, I went to two games, probably gone to 20, 25 games, to be honest. If you're going to do it, there are obviously ways that you can tick off games quickly. But yeah, I, I, honestly, I, it's, I don't think it's that difficult to do it if you set your mind to it. Um, and, and like I say, I think time is the most important thing, isn't it? If, if you've got the time to do it, then I think you can you can do it quite quickly. Um, if, if I was to do it again myself, what I would probably do is try and do 100 games at 100 different stadiums. I think that would be a much more of a challenge. So I think if you were to do it from the start, I would say that would be the best thing to do, is to do, try and do 100 games at 100 different stadiums in, in less than a year. I think that would be, the, be a, 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 certainly a good challenge. It would, and it would certainly give you a great aspect of what goes on around the region. Well, I mean, something I should emphasise is, is for myself, it's not the football is not the be all and end all. I, I like, I, 
I like to combine the football with the travel side of things. It's taken me to places that I would never have gone to. And that, that, that I think that's that's an important thing, isn't it? Because it gets you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And like, like I'll give you an example. There's a place in Vietnam called Pleiku. It's a city sort of, it's inland. It's nothing really there. You know, it's, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go there otherwise. But I, I went there to watch Quan and ZLI play. The people were so friendly. It was unbelievable because I don't don't think many foreigners go there. So I've literally walked walking along, along the street and everyone's going past me on the motorbike saying hello, 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 hello. Literally every two yards of saying hello to someone. Yeah, places like that that you'd never you'd never normally go to. You know, you end up having like a good time there. So that that's kind of something something that I'll, that I'll take away from it. When I set out the game, okay, sometimes it's a bit more important than others, but it's only a little part of the day. I try to intertwine it with a bit of local culture, food and drink, see different places, and and meet new people, such Definitely. as I did with yourself. I didn't know I was going to bump you that day. Yeah, well, that's it. That was just purely accidentally, wasn't it? But I, I mean, you sometimes see people on Twitter. They'll say that they can't really go to games as a neutral because they don't have that sort of emotional investment and I, I can understand that but for me I, I, I kind of like not having that because when I go and watch court matches you're so, you're so like myopic and so sort of wrapped up in the game and you don't really appreciate what's going on around you or oh, I don't anyway but when I go to games as a neutral and take in the whole sort of day so you travel there you have a look around the ground you see what's what you talk to a few people you watch one half from this end of the ground you probably you know you walk around to the other side to watch the other half and you can't I feel like I enjoy it a bit more whereas like I say when I'm at Fort or Everton you're so sort of wrapped up in the game that I feel like you don't enjoy it as much no, I get that one of the first lessons my dad taught me when I was a nipper going he said watch both sides you've paid for both enjoy both of them mm-hmm. yeah that's it that's it you can get you can get wrapped up in, in your own sort of team and you know what's going on around you that you do sort of miss you know miss what what you know what else is out there no great stuff marco thanks ever so much for your time not a problem and uh, yeah i always enjoy listening to the podcast that you and dale do doing a brilliant job and i uh, keep it up thanks ever so much appreciated cheers rob yeah, it was a great chat with Marco. Thanks ever so much for sparing the time. If that doesn't encourage anyone to go out and, and see places, because as he says quite rightly, it's not just about the football. It's getting out and seeing culture and trying different things, meeting people. But uh, yeah, it's an incredible feat, is that? He's a very modest young man, I have to say. I'd, I'd be singing from the rooftops if I could manage that in Southeast Asia. It was very impressive, wasn't it? And like you say, he's a great guy. I've known Markov getting on for 15 years. Smashing bloke. It's not often that I'm envious of someone, but I'd, I would have quite happily have, have had his last 12 months, definitely. It, it sounds fantastic. And that, that came across in the interview, very much so, that you know the, the enjoyment that he got out of it. As, as he said, the first game on that hundred we bumped into each other we never met each other before and straight away we were just chatting as though we'd known each other for years he's so enthusiastic and knowledgeable it was also interesting that it, that was his favorite game and also the best goal so he might he might well just given up hadn't he after the first one not bothered with the the other 99 well i saved some money but hey what's money when you can go out and see things Hi, my name is Jamie and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. We're going to wrap up this week. We've been plugging it for the past couple of weeks and we've got our competition, which by the time this goes out, you've got very little time to enter. So if you're listening after midnight on Wednesday, then you've missed the deadline. But we've had so many entries already to win a copy of Matt Riley's new book, Thai Football Tales of Beautiful Madness. And this is Rob again, and he's reviewing Matt's book. He's gone all Radio 4 on us here. Time to evolve the podcast. Book review. Yes, Dale, thanks very much. An absolute pleasure to be asked to review the book. 
with the 224 pages covering Matt's six year in Thai football. It's perfect for all football fans, but particularly those with interest in the Thai game, as the author unveils much of what really went on behind the scenes, as he worked as a journalist, following his own dreams off his own back and no cash in return, as well as working full-time for Mongtong United and Sapumbri. Those without much knowledge of the Thai game might think that the book belongs on the fiction shelf. Those with some knowledge will learn plenty, as I did myself, while those avid fans among you might reflect why it's a good idea just to enjoy it for what it is and not get too frustrated. The story follows Matt on a journey of trying to enhance the Thai game to an English-speaking audience. As he gets into the inner sanctum and meets some of the most powerful people in Thai football, his plans and worker of the highest order, but he comes up against all manners of obstacles, some inadvertent, but often deliberately to attempt to derail him and discredit his efforts. There are some tremendous characters featured throughout the book who play big parts in Matt's experience and indeed life. Some who also met with similar frustrations. Some of the standouts for me as a reviewer, how the Port Tong United fuse was initially lit, the TV commentary fiasco which takes some real believing, the comparison of Nevin Chitchop to a blunt Yorkshireman, thanks very much for that Matt, how genuinely decent some famous names in the game really are despite how the media portray them, the arrogance of some EPL clubs, West Ham United fans might enjoy one story, and just how hard for foreign coaches the game is in Thailand. Not least the incredible story of the uh, Qatari World Cup bid a year before it was actually announced. That will really open eyes. The author has a lovely style of writing and the book carried me along with it, dealing with personal heartache and some great self-deprecating humour. You want Matt to win, but you've got a gut feeling something's about to come along and kick another ladder from underneath him, whether it was websites, TV shows or even as an agent. Anyone who lives or has lived in Thailand and is involved with locals at work or in relationship with a Thai can learn plenty from the book and probably understand the cultural issues that Matt faced. Personally, I find it a great shame Matt isn't involved with a club of a stature that his professionalism and ambition deserves. He's a loss to the game. Unfortunately, I think it's unlikely ever to be in Thailand for Matt or anybody else. The lesson double down for me is to enjoy it for what it is rather than wanting to change things which will only end in disappointment. Sad though it was in this case. Beautiful madness indeed. It's thoroughly recommended. The 224 pages, excellent. It's out on Pitch Publishing and available via Matt on Twitter. We'll put the link. And of course via Amazon. Thanks, Rob. It sounds like a brilliant read, doesn't it? I'm so looking forward to it. And I think a lot of people are as well. There seems to be a lot of um, interest, certainly from the comments I've read on Twitter. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I thought it was a tremendous book. Very hard to leave, you know, you get involved and wrapped up in it. And like I say, I really wanted it to work, but you, you just had a feeling. Yeah, the odds were always stacked against him, weren't they? I think it's one of those books that if, if you are a fan of Thai football, it will resonate with you. There's a lot in there that you won't be aware of a lot that you will but even if you don't you know you don't follow Thai football that closely it's, it's a fascinating read just for anybody who's interested in not just football but culture as well I think that comes across doesn't it it's, it's well written and I can't recommend it highly enough and the efforts that Matt made it couldn't have been more professional that's Matt I mean again you know Matt's someone I've known for a long time and he is very professional and very enthusiastic and as you just said it's a shame that things didn't come off but that's life and he's 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 all right 
guy doing what he's doing now. And and I think this this book will kind of cement his place in, in Thai football folklore, won't it? Well, it should do. It really should. And hopefully it'll um, prompt a sequel. That would be nice. I'm sure he's... He did he did hint, didn't he, when he was on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that there's a few things he, he left out initially. But maybe he'll feel brave enough to put those in the next edition. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. It might, might not be a good idea to come on holiday if they're a bit more raunchier than the ones he's already put in. That's it. He might not be allowed anywhere near the, the country again. Mind <laughs> you, they, they do have they do have a habit of letting people back now, don't they? So we'll see. Well, indeed, he maybe should get a referee's outfit reading one of the chapters. Don't don't give him any ideas. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, just um, everyone get get yourselves to some games this weekend. It's the start of the Division 3 games. Thai League 3 starts this weekend. The full fixture list on our Facebook page. Go out and have fun. And also the top flight resumes as well on the 15th. So Friday night, top flight football returns to Thailand. Thanks for listening again. It's been absolutely wonderful. And thanks for all your downloads. We've absolutely knocked out by the response we've had to this podcast. It's been fantastic. We can't thank you enough. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, goodbye, everyone. Have a great week, wherever you are. <laughs>